Sunday, 1 p.m. Uh, that means it's time for Sunday Night Teacher Talk. I am repping all my Phillies stuff today, even though I cannot rock a, a, a flat brim cap. So I'm going to turn this backwards. But um, <laughs> the uh, Phillies are in the World Series, which no one saw coming. We didn't think they were going to be in the World Series. And the Eagles, sure, because the Eagles are back this week and they are 6-0. I'll tell you. I'm not, I was never a sports guy. I played right field so much in my life that I just, and that was with my parents coaching me. You know, that's, that's how you know you're bad when your own dad is coaching you and he goes, son, you were built for right field. And for those of you that don't know baseball, that means that you suck. That means there's, there's like very little action that comes to right field. I'm going to tell you what I used to do. Wait, are you saying that the right fielder in professional sports sucks? I'm saying They're the, the Phillies' on worst team. player plays right field. <laughs> oh, does he? He made I that miraculous catch the other night. But I used to stand in the outfield and put dandelions between my feet and just jump in the air and pull them out. That's what I would do because I was so bored. I didn't know what to do. And my mom was like, it was so embarrassing because everyone would watch you doing that. Um, I think it's adorable. I've been marching by the beat of my own drummer and gardening forever. Yeah. So, you know, but as I've gotten older... Things have shifted, right? Like I, I when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, my son and I watched. That was the first full Eagles game I ever watched in my life. Uh, first football game I ever watched with my son, also. And he decided that from then on, I was going. We were going to watch every single Eagles game the following season, and I did. And what I found was that one, I just started liking it. I didn't know anything about it, but two, I was able to. You know, I, I did it because I wanted to be the dad that I always wanted to be, right? Not just the dad, like, so my father passed when I was four. I had pretty tumultuous uh, relationship with my stepfather. And then when I had kids, I knew I wanted to be the dad that I always wish that I had. And so this broadcast, this thing we do on Sundays is about something similar. It's about helping us to be the teachers that we always wanted to be or the teachers that we always needed. And so when you feel stuck in school, I think one of the things you can do is just think like, who did I need when I was this age? Who did I need on a day like this? Who did I need when I was going through something? And that's why it's so important to pour into yourself so you can pour into others. And then you can do that and be that teacher that you always wanted to be. So that is our goal here at Real Rap with Reynolds. And so with that, um, welcome, everybody. Sunday Night Teacher Talk. And we are starting a, a new initiative. We have two things going on that I'm going to take questions. Um, and I'll say these a couple times because different people come in at different places during the show. One is we're starting a new giveaway, right? Our goal in giving away. And let, let me tell you this. Brody told me the called me the budget Mr. Beast the other day. Hey, but I like that we got like so, in his mind, uh, Mr. B status. There is. I'm really trying to. What, this is this is more information than anyone needs to know. One of the things I'm working on in my life is blessing other people and living out of a place of abundance instead of a fear of like lack. That's a whole other story. It could probably be a whole video. But one of the ways that I'm doing that is I'm at my local food store and there's this young dude, young black guy. High cut haircut, wears shades even if it's nighttime outside. The facial hair is always finely attuned, right? And oh, he, and not only are his shades are dark, but they're like just gold rimmed. Yeah, he, he's, they're like, he's on point. He, he's, he's on point, right? Mm -hmm. But it, and it's not just his style; it's the way he even he like dances through the parking lot, right? And he's this kid's got to be what like nineteen years old. He's or young, something but like we that. always he's always admire the him every lot. time we go he's to the grocery like, store. <laughs> hustles more than anybody you've ever seen push a shopping cart he does. before. And so one day I was going up and I thought, 
and I'm, I, I'm not going to talk about this too much because I, I don't, I just want to say like, I, I just want to prove the point. Um, but I don't want to like, I'm not trying to flex or anything like that. Um, I just thought like, I want to give this dude a tip, right? So the next time we get paid from something, um, I'm like, I want to just write a quick note, put it in an envelope and to walk up to the guy and say, you're doing the best job I've ever seen someone do in your position. And then I just want to give him a hundred bucks in a, in an envelope, right? Cause when you're 19, hundred dollars is like, well, I mean, maybe not anymore. Um, but it's a big deal, right? You just get a hundred dollars cash out of nowhere. And, but more than that, it's to know that someone said something, someone did something. And so I thought about this at the restaurant we were at the other night too. We had a really good server. I left a really good tip. And, um, it was so funny because then Brody told me I was the budget Mr. Beast. But, you know, so <laughs> regardless of my son's nonsense, what I'm trying to get at here is that we are trying to bless teachers as well. So here's what we would like to have happen. We're not going to make anyone jump through any special hoops. We just want to be able to identify people that are doing great stuff. So each month we're going to get what? How much are we giving away? Is that 50 bucks? A 50. $50 gift certificate to someone that is hashtag teaching their class off so all you got to do anywhere you you're posting well so post something on social and it could be on instagram facebook or twitter and then all you have to do is use the hashtag teach your class off to show us what you're doing at the end of the month we're going to pick one person that's doing a great job we're going to shout you out on the show um and then we're going to send you a 50 dollars gift card uh, and I don't care where you, you live anywhere in the world. You can, um, I was going to make a really bad joke there, but I didn't. So whew, held that one in. <laughs> we can move forward. Keep going. Um, so if you use hashtag teacher class off, that's one of the things we're doing. The other thing we're trying to do is uh, I, I made this thumbnail the other day. Oh, Take your class back. Look at that. And what we were talking about here is uh, when I asked the Facebook group in the beginning of the year, what we what we were like, what in what way could we help like what are things that we're doing it like that are happening in education that you f wish you had help with and so it was classroom management building relationships we did workshops on both of those then it was lesson plans was one that got the most votes after that did a, a workshop on that then the last two were student engagement and um sort of like resetting routines procedures rules for the classroom so next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are going to be doing a workshop called the Student Engagement 101 Workshop. And so we would love if you could come to this. Um, and and it's we priced it. It's only $67. And so the, the, the idea there was that um, is my hour worth more than $67? Yes, I believe in myself. But is it $67 you felt like was like like a pretty fair deal for educators, right? Because, because I know I, I remember what it was like, especially starting out and not making a whole lot of money and things of that nature. So it's 67 bucks. I'm going to put the, um, I'm going to put the, the link in here. Um, if you want to do it, did that work? Oh no, it didn't. I said in a private chat, private chat to who? Who was that private chat? <laughs> so anyway, there's the link. If you're interested, you can sign up. Um, and there will be a Q&A afterwards, and then there's going to be, uh, it'll last about an 45 minutes, 15 minutes or so Q&A thing. So that's the deal. That's what we're doing. And I just wanted to share that with everyone because we're just trying to like help where we are hearing that there's a need.
Absolutely. Go ahead, wife. All right, let's get to some questions. Let's do it. Enough of this shit. I know what are you talking so much for? It's like. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Mallory is up first asking, I want to start giving my students nicknames in class. How how did you come up with ones for your students that they liked and were not embarrassed by? <sighs> Mallory, I, well, I'm i just going to shout out your your profile picture because it looks, look at that baby. Oh, precious. Um, I, Mallory, you look very pretty too, but I'm just, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to make it weird. But it's your baby. That's a great picture. Um, I started giving nicknames to kids forever ago. And as I grew up, I I gave nicknames to all my friends too. growing up. And it was just something that like, I don't don't know why, but it was funny enough that I found out years later that someone in my family said, you know, it's so funny that you give everyone nicknames. All of my cousins uh, have nicknames. My son gives nicknames to everybody that most of them don't really make sense. But um, it is someone told me, you know, it's so funny because your dad used to give and this is my father who passed when I was four years old. Right. So I would there's no way I would have remembered this. Your dad gave everyone nicknames as well. And I just thought that's so funny, man. Um, so it's just something that I've just done my whole life. And. What I find is that in giving kids nicknames, sometimes I use it to take kids down a notch. So I had a kid. I don't even remember his real name. He told me that um, he was the chosen one. So he would write. He first started the year off writing the chosen one at the top of every single page. Right. And I'm like, bro, I got I need you to write your name because I can't remember who you are because I got to put your grade in the grade book. And guess what? The chosen one's not in there. So I don't know what to do. Um. So that was like kind of a, uh, a a thing. So then he started writing TCO instead, right? TCO was his name. So I, what did I call him? Do you remember this? No. I called him Taco. Oh, like right. He's like, so why do you keep calling me Taco? I'm like, bro, it says, ta- like, yeah. you wrote Taco. You just misspelled it, but it's like sounded out. It's still Taco. And at first he was so annoyed with me, but it did. It brought him down a notch, but it was all it became this thing that was funny that he started writing taco at the top of his page. He told everyone that his name was taco. Um, there are I had a kid that looked like Millhouse from The Simpsons. Right. Um, and he changed his mother <laughs> called him Millhouse. I know. I remember this and story. <laughs> changed his name in her phone to when it popped up. It wasn't her son's name. It was Millhouse. I love it. So. They're not always things that the kids love, but they kind of learn to love. I had a kid that used to be able to eat snacks at any given time. He had diabetes. Um, so we just called him snack time. We just thought it was funny because he would he would just he would flex all the time in class. And be like, oh, yeah, I'm about to eat some snacks. I'm like, bro, you can't stop. You're just making everyone upset. And then so we would do it. We would go all oh, snack time. So it was just a bunch of silly stuff that we did over time that like kind of started to do that. But it is. They are, I've only ever gone wrong with one um, nickname that didn't work out. I'm not going to tell that story right now, but like, uh, if you meet me somewhere one day, I can tell you, but it's just, oh, no, now stuff. you're going to make everybody like, want that Miles, story. Miles Wiggins misspelled his last name on his paper one time and wrote Liggins with an L. So I had to start calling him Liggins. Then his mom started calling him Liggins. Then I saw his mom in Target one time and she goes, Mr. Reynolds, Mr. Reynolds. And I go, hey, hey. I said, I'm so sorry. I don't remember your name. She goes, it's Liggins, mom. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is absurd. So that's kind of how they go. Um, I find the sillier, the better. And kids really love it. You will get actually kids that don't 
that get upset that they don't have a so nickname. So let me ask you. Yeah, okay, that's great. But how do you handle it? Say you give a nickname and it is a bad nickname. Like, what can a teacher do? You like- just go like this. My bro, I'm so I tell kids all the time that if I mess with you, if I'm making fun of you, if I'm teasing you, if I'm always like razzing you, it's because it's it's I love you. Right. It's, it's, it is how I, like, it's out of a connect. place of love. Right. And I don't mean that in the Chris Brown punch and Rihanna kind of I love you kind of a way. But it's like it is truly out of <laughs> a place of like, a, I know, but, you know, my brain goes there sometimes. So like <laughs> it's just like a really kind it's a kindness from me um, and I and it sets you apart. And so there are some kids that don't get nicknames that I still really love, like. I'll kill Danzler. I'll kill is such a cool name or mm. Miwan. I was like, Miwan, I can't. He's like, how come I don't have a nickname? I'm like, bro, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. make a name as awesome as your name. Like Miwan's a great name. And you have a hyphen in there. What? So um, it is, it is to me, it's a show of love. But if it goes wrong, it is just apologizing. And then I will um, give them a couple of other options. The only thing that can't ever happen is no kid is allowed to give himself a nickname. I've had oh. kids trying to, yo, I want you to call me this. Yeah, that's not going to happen. My favorite is snacks. Snack time? Yeah. Oh, snacks? Snacks. Snacks berry. Yeah. Yeah, because you always snacks Dirty Kev. There's tons of them. I Hugs. know. We should write them all down one day. I should. All right, let's go. Uh, let's Steph it. is up next asking, what has been your experience with college career readiness when you know some kids will not be going to college? How do you still support them with college-only language? Bowtech is an option. <sighs> What's college-only language? it's like we a lot of the times when we teach kids we we use language that is like just assuming they're going to go to college and you know i i think and that's the only way that you're allowed to speak to a child like if you know that they're not going to college prep school so like they they just assumed everyone was going to college or just pretended and it's like they forgot that that's not why kids come to our school they come to our school because it's a safe alternative to west philly high right and that's probably true for a lot of schools. I don't think kids are going there for the college readiness a lot of times. Um, so I just find it strange that you do college only language or that you can't really just still speak to a child that, you know, isn't going to school or doesn't want that track that you just can't still be real. So I think it's I think it's having an understanding in the class that although you're using a certain type of language, it is not supposed to be all inclusive right that this is not the only track there is for students but when i think about like yeah i I mean i have a video that i'm planning right now i'm like in the midst of writing it out about um how oh gosh i can't i don't even want to go into it because it's going to take it's going to take me i know it's that's a big i'm sorry i just hijacked your question yes Mm Um, how like, sorry, Steph, I hijacked your question. So, um, I think it's as simple stuff as like, is having the conversation with students and look, teachers are leaders and leaders are repeaters. And so that we have to remember that we have to constantly repeat stuff so that students will get it. So it's, it is repeating in, in whatever way you find the most useful to remind kids that like, look, college isn't the only way, right. That there are other ways to do stuff. Um, but it really is based on what do you want in your life? Like how, like, what do you, how much money do you want to make? How much, um, how much freedom do you want? Do you want to be an entrepreneur? Cause then you bear all the responsibility right now. We bear all the responsibility. I can't blame anyone for the way things go, but, but the payoff can be a lot more, but there's the stress is a whole lot more sometimes. So 
it's helping kids to dial in and figure out what they want to do. But then just helping them to understand that, like at this school, we use sort of like this particular type of language, these certain kinds of terms. We are the school assumes a certain thing, but that that's not by any means in this classroom where we stand and things. I think it's just reminding kids of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What you got, buddy? All right. Um, oh, my gosh. There's so much chit chat in here. Chit chat. There's it's great. It's one of my favorite things to like read is what everybody's asking. Okay. Um, Miss Gonzalez is trying to start some stuff here. She Mm. says Astros versus Phillies. Oh boy. I grew up a Phillies, uh, a Philly fanatic fan, but after 20 years in Houston, I'm an orbit, uh, convert. How would you tie a big deal? Hometown slash team event like this in your lessons. Win scenario versus lose scenario. Oh, MPS, go Astros. So, Boo. Ms. Gonzalez, <laughs> um, I think the way I, I, you know, I read a really interesting article the other day in, in I forget what, what website it was on, uh, but it, and it made me think of school immediately. The Philadelphia Phillies, right? So that, so that, since that's where I'm located, this is what I'm going to talk about. Um, And even if you're not interested in baseball, this is I think this is still fascinating. The Philadelphia Phillies did not have a good season. They were they went into the playoffs and we were like, what? Wait, we made it to the playoffs. Like I ignored most of their season because I kept hearing how bad it was. I was like, so we were like, and when we got in the playoffs, I was like, what? Like, All right. This is fun. Zero expectation. Zero expectation that they'd even get past the first round. Right. But then I forget who they played first, but they won. And everyone was like, oh, snap. They went to the next, like, set of games. And so then they beat the Atlanta Braves. They finished 12 games below the Atlanta Braves in the regular season, right? Meaning the Atlanta Braves won 12 more games than the Philadelphia Phillies. That's huge. Um, Everybody thought that the Braves were going to beat the Philadelphia Phillies. And they didn't. Because what happened was the Phillies didn't even just play great. But when it mattered, they showed up and there were like these little tick marks. It just kept getting them closer and closer. Then they beat the Braves and everyone was like, holy crap, what is going on here? So then they play the Padres. Same thing happened. The Padres should have annihilated the Phillies. But when you are in these moments and you just keep playing the game, just keep showing up. I'll tell you what, first night of the on Friday night. First game of the World Series. I'm at my favorite bar in South Philadelphia. Um, My wife and I have a couple of drinks. The place is packed. It's all Phillies fans in like classic South Philly corner bar, right? And everyone's super excited. By the third inning, they were down 5-0. And I was like, yo, it's getting late. I've been waking up at like 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, we got to go because I need to go to bed. I thought they lost. They freaking won. And it's that kind of thing. That's what I'm thinking about. And that's what I would be having a conversation about my students is, Bro, like Philly is, is in my mind, the underdog town always. When we won yeah. the Super Bowl with the Eagles, we were the underdog. We are the home of Rocky. It's, it is the underdog city. And so, and there's a lot of cities that can, that can claim that, right? There's a lot of places I'm thinking of immediately, but it is, don't count yourself out. You, even when it's down five, nothing in the third Inning, bro, that's so early. You can't count yourself out. And so what do you have that you can use to get ahead? Everybody's got a gift. Every student, every teacher has something, right? Um, go full Bible for a minute. Everybody's got, and only the Bible people kind of get this, so I'm sorry, but like <laughs> everyone's got their oil, right? What's your oil 
that you're going to use to get yourself to the place that you want to be in. And so that's what I I would talk about with students is like, it's such a good reminder of that sort of thing. Um, And so I don't know what the Astros version of that is, but you know, you all know your story better than I do and know where you teach and where you come from and things of that nature. But I think it's that for Mm. Philly, it's always that underdog city. Always. She's actually said that the Astros, um, that was kind of their story also a few years ago. So they kind of had that. I feel like everybody's got that at some point in their in their (laughs) journey but gosh philly sports it's pretty consistent actually we're always like the modeliest team i feel like we are um all right nasim is asking will you pursue a doctorate ed or a phd will you adjunct at a university what classes would you be interested in teaching so you know i thought about this i really i don't even have my master's bro um i didn't because i didn't start teaching till i was 27 26 something like that and at that time it felt like forever late like i first thought oh my gosh who in the world starts teaching this late and i know there are a lot of people i've gotten to know a lot of more people that have taught much later than that um and then i realized what a blessing that is like that 22 year old reynolds was not ready to walk into a classroom at all i'm not even sure 27 year old reynolds was but it is you know um something i started late And then in my second year of teaching, we had a baby and we were super like our church just consumed all of the any extra time that I had in my life. So it was like my life was pretty full. So I didn't go back for my master's. Would I go back for that now? You know what, dude? I I don't think so. I, I think that I do a lot of learning on my own. And, you know, especially I have a friend that is uh, two friends right now that are in a doctoral program at Harvard University um, for school leadership. And they both said that getting your doctorate is like is like they said, like the classes weren't that unbelievable. They weren't that it wasn't that they learned a ton from like their professors or from the books they read or the papers they wrote or whatever. They said it was the connections. It was all about the connections. It was the people that they got to meet, the people they got to work with. And I have found I so in my mind at this moment, I'd rather pay for a mastermind, like not a master's, but a, a like an online mastermind with folks that are operating at a high level in any given area and do that for significantly less. It's still a lot of money, right? It's still like, holy crap, a lot of money, but not like 100 grand, not 200 grand or whatever it's going to cost me to go through all of that. Um, would I be an adjunct professor if I could? I mean, I, I that would be interesting to me, but it would have to be real world teaching stuff. It's, you know, I think the beauty of, of being on YouTube and the beauty of being able to speak in schools and, and at colleges and stuff now is that I bring what I wish I knew when I was a teacher and I'm not stuck teaching something that like I'm told to do, I can do whatever I want. And there's a beauty in that because I feel like what I'm doing is sharing my authentic experience in a real way um, that doesn't keep me tied to anything in particular. All right, ready? Our next question is coming from Felix. I'm attending an education fair Tuesday and interviewing with potential school districts. What should I bring aside from my resume? How should I approach everyone to impress them with my interviews? Uh, Felix, so I would say, one, um, I mean, this other folks might have a really good answer for this. I I got into teaching just before people started bringing like... Um, 
like I feel like folks have like a website about themselves now sometimes or they have like a catalog of work in a, in a binder or online that's like a profile of like all of the stuff that they've done. I have never been strong on paper. Even now, <clears throat> if you saw my resume, it is so underwhelming what I've what I've done because I've just I've just focused on things that don't make its way their way to a resume, right? Like like what I do and it just looks like I taught ninth grade literature for 17 years instead of like all the things I did in there that were incredible. Um, so I, that's part of what I think. I think more than being impressive, it is, it's two things. It's one, it is your energy and do it, does it seem like you want to be there? Right. I often liken this to like, if you go on a date, which I haven't been on a date since 1995, like, that with someone that I wasn't married to, but, um, they, uh, you know, but when you date, it is about looking like you want to be there. If you're checking your phone, if you're like, kind of like, Hey, so, um, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you like doing? It's like showing up like you want to be there, having that energy that says, I love this. This is the job I've always dreamed of doing. I know where things are in education right now. And I'm here on purpose. Um, that I think that sort of energy is the is stuff that's going to make people remember you. And so that's one thing. The other thing is, I think it's the follow up. It is not sending an email to the school, but writing a quick note. I have like a whole I have a drawer. And I mean, not that you have to go full tilt like this, but like I have these cards I send to people all the time uh, with my branding on it and how you can contact me and all that stuff. And I love sending those out. Like whenever I do a talk somewhere, I handwrite a note and I send it to the school. But it is that, you know, you could type it also, but like I would type it on a typewriter. I go full Lopez on this. Um, <laughs> that's how John Lopez would do it. No, John but Lopez would use a calligraphy he pen. Would, he would have his fountain pen. Yes. Um, which I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I don't have one of those right next to me also, but it is doing something personal. Thank you so much for the interview. I think y'all are doing really wonderful work. I'd love to be able to continue talking about working together in the future. Um, but I just wanted to let you know real quick that I, that I appreciate the work that you're doing. Have a great day. Sign your name. That's going to go so much further and it breaks through the noise. Everybody is sending an email. Everyone's doing the same thing. How are you going to do something slightly different? And then my language in getting interviewed would only always be about student achievement kids winning kids getting to the place that they want to be at that. And how do I become a part of what you're doing at your school? I'm not the one I'm not the chosen one showing up at your school, but I, how do I be a part of what you're doing that the, talking about things like in that way makes it seem like you're just trying to bring your gifts to the party and that you're also acknowledging what they're doing and, um and getting excited about like, the challenges, the the awesomeness, all of, all the possibility that can happen in a classroom. I think that is what's going to that what sets people apart. I've done a lot of interviews um, at my school in West Philly. And while I was there, it was like it was the people that had the energy, the people that weren't acting like because some people would forget what they were interviewing. They'd be like, um, you know, I think, look, I think West Philly has a really great shot in football this year. And I'm like, bro, we you're not you're in West Philly, but you're not at West Philly. Like you're at boys Latin. And so it's, 
and they get like, oh, you know, I've just been on so many interviews that that'd be like going on a date with someone named Dana and being like, listen, Karen, I really think this is so good. like what? Like, well, you just ruined everything. Yeah. So that's that would be my advice. Um, good luck, man. All right. Andrea is up next asking. Uh, and this is a bit of a harder question yep. asking, how do you help a student who has experienced a significant loss? One of my students is returning to school after an unexpected death of his mother. The last day I saw the student was on his birthday, which is also the day his mom died. He is already a very quiet student, but I do know that my class math is his favorite. Oh, God bless Andrea. Oh, so. Andrea, in situations like this, um, I will say one, just from your questions that I've seen in the past, mm. like, thank God that kid has you as a teacher. Um, because we, I know you'll show up. What I've been, I've dealt with this several times with students that have lost uh, parents or, or loved ones or friends. And the thing is, one, it's you have to address it. You can't not address it. Um, you don't have to beat them over the head with it. You don't have to bring it up every single day. You don't have to talk about it all the time. <clears throat> Two years ago, I had a young man in my class and he had one best friend and there was a fire at their house and his best friend and this, their whole family was killed except for one little uh, the one little sister and um, all died in the fire. And he was like destroyed by this. So it was after class pulling them aside. Yo, man, come here real quick. I'm just checking in. How are we doing today? Like, how are you? And then knowing that, you know, the answer is going to not be good, but you're just checking in to see, do you need anything? Do you want anything? Can I do anything? All right. You always know that this is the space for you. If you need something from me, please let me know if you need something from someone else and you feel like they're not giving it to you. If you feel like you're talking to a teacher and they're disregarding the fact that you've been through something and that your work is late and now you're failing the class, whatever it is, I'm here for you. It's simply just doing it like that over and over and over again. I think the other thing, you know, that I've talked about this before, when I lost my mom, um, it was not a long process. My mom got diagnosed with cancer, I think, end of May uh, and died a week before Christmas the same year. And so the our friends, like everyone starts bringing over food and they send Christmas presents and there's all this attention and then a week later, that attention just disappears. It just doesn't exist anymore. And everyone's like back to regular. Yo, man, we're going to the movies. You want to come? Like, yo, we're going to this concert. Yo, we're doing this. Yo, we're doing that. Yo, I haven't seen you out lately. And it was like everyone just got, they like moved on with life and it didn't happen anymore. And that was the part that was the worst. Like my mom dying was bad. The week after was bad because I just missed my mother, but there was all this attention and love and affection, but it was all the weeks and years, years after that, that you felt like everyone forgot. And so it is, you know, remembering that anniversary, like this Christmas will be the first Christmas that that kid doesn't have his mom. This New Year's, first New Year's, first Thanksgiving, first everything, right? It's just acknowledging those moments, acknowledging um, that student in those times and sending a text, sending a card, sending love to them while they're in school. But it's really more than anything. It's going to be just showing up and listening for when the student is ready, not pushing them to talk about it. But when they're ready to talk about it, 
you just create the safe space. And look, they might never even take you up on it. Maybe they have a really incredibly supportive family outside of school, but it is when they're in school showing up and caring that I think that that's the answer it is that, you know, what I always say is your attention is far more important than your advice. So just showing up for in perpetuity for that kid is what's going to help. Oh, gosh. OK. Um, These are not easy questions. No. To, to and especially out. to transition at. Yeah. I don't know. Andrea will be thinking of you um, as you are navigating all of that. For sure. Uh, OK. Roos is up next. A two-parter asking, I'm a veteran teacher, 10 years, uh, Dutch language and lit. It seems like the more I grow and evolve as a teacher, the more I want and am expected to do in class. Larger groups, different learning and teaching strategies, formative assessments, etc. Prep time becomes longer and I feel absolutely exhausted, but I want to do those things that I know will work for my students. Any tips? So... I think, yeah. Hmm. All right. I, there's a couple of ideas here. One, I had a conversation with someone the other day that was like uh, somewhat similar, and I'm going to tie it into your question, but it, it's worth mentioning because I think a lot of people will. I don't. I don't think many people think about this, but it's important. Recently, I had a conversation with my wife. We were talking about, I was saying how like, like our, our, our growth towards even being a teacher, being parents, getting a house, having a family, being a teacher, um, the classroom, the building of a business has been nothing but hard the whole time. Now, look, there are like little blessings that show up every once in a while. Sometimes there's like something great that comes along, but like it has been it has been walking through the mud for everything I've ever achieved in my life, right? That's what it has felt like in my life. And the other day I was like, I was getting frustrated with something, the way something was going. I'm like, this just sucks. I just keep screwing this up all the time. I can never get it right. It's such a pain in my ass. And my wife was like, that's such nonsense. You are, you are growing. You are getting better. Um, and she said, I want you to think back to when our kids were little and the problems that we had as human beings. If you had to solve that problem now, would it be hard or easy? And I thought, oh, it'd be easy. Like we, we know how to do that now. And she's like, yeah. And so it had me thinking like when you first learn to count, it was difficult. First learn to do addition. It was difficult. Then uh, subtraction, multiplication, division and on and on and on. But when you get the calculus and you're like looking back at like addition, it was cake like division cake geometry much easier now to understand right so it's acknowledging your growth i the problem is right this is a good problem to have i think that for those of us that want to be great in anything there's it the journey never ends you never arrive <laughs> because you get to the next place and you go oh man but i could do this and i could do this and i could do this and that's a great place to be but it's acknowledging that it is going to always be exhausting because you're always growing and, and changing it. And, and look, I think exhaustion's all right, right? Like you run a I, hard race, you get exhausted. Yeah, but, but I think that that makes all, when you can understand that, that you don't ever arrive because you're continuing evolving to the next like level, you're yeah. always leveling up in everything that you do. Um, 
I think once you once you really wrap your head around that and understand that, I think those boundaries become even more important that you put in those non-negotiables for your personal life on who you are and how you operate. All of those things start to make even more sense um, when you experience those, when you really fully wrap your head around that. Like, man, it's just. Yes. It's just life is just hard. It's just constant, like growing and growth and problem solving and whatever it is that we're dealing with. It's just always difficult, but it's so I two things, piece of advice on this. I think you're right. And that makes me think of this one. You have to learn to optimize and systematize as many things as possible, right? Optimizing things, getting better and better at the way you're doing stuff is going to help you to save time, to save energy and to save mind share, right? So you don't have yes. to think about it, right? Routines, like and when I talk about systems, that's what I'm talking about. It's like routines. How are we doing stuff? So I don't freedom. have to, it is the reason I have a morning routine because I don't want to wake up and think, should I pray right now? Should I go for a run first? Should I eat? Bre I'm kind of a little bit hungry. Should I eat first? I could literally do it in my <laughs> sleep. Probably not. That would make a mess. But like it is doing things without having to think about what you're going to do first. And then I think that we can get to those places in school too, where it's like, that's why I had such systems like Monday, every Monday, the same thing, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, all that stuff. Are you laughing at my dog? <laughs> yes. Our dog has the cone of shame on right now. And uh, he just keeps staring down and looking at the well, floor. Well, he gets getting caught on gets everything. Caught on everything. It's, really every funny. it's really funny and sad at the same time. Uh, <laughs> And he bumps into everything. So my, my point here is that that's one thing. The other thing is you have to have boundaries. Um, it is it, you have to be able to say no to stuff. Uh, Derek Sivers, uh, who's an author, he wrote, he said one time that um, your answer is to every question. If it's not hell yes, then it's no. If you're not stoked about it, if it is not like a hell yeah, I'm going to do that. That sounds awesome. Then it should be no. Um, and I've used that a lot in my life. I think the one last thing I would say to this is that we have to remember that putting into yourself, whether that's self-care or even more than self-care is work, right? So when I say that I start work at 4.30 in the morning, I do, but I start work with my all myself, right? I spend the first hour and a half, um, sometimes almost two hours working on me. And so it is, that is utterly important. And it makes me get up at four, 430 in the morning, because I want to put that amount of time into myself because I know I'll be better. So when I'm thinking of work, that's work, right? Like, like going to the gym is not easy. It is working on you so that you can do better. But that means putting up boundaries and saying no to other people's needs, yes to what you need. And then that's what you're moving forward with first. I think that's utterly important. Um, so if you want to be a workaholic, that's cool. Just remind yourself that you can be a workaholic with like and you need but you need to include yourself in that equation. Absolutely. OK, John Lopez with a great question, like always. Oh, brother. Uh, asking, you're off with Reynolds. What message do you have for teachers now that they may now that they may have made it through the first quarter of school? Sorry. <laughs> I, I think. To me, it's it's a time of of reflection. Um, the end of every quarter to me, the end of, I have, I've certain parts of the year where I love to reflect on things. End of the first quarter is a good time. The new year is a good time because you have that little bit of time off for winter break. 
spring break is another one. And then beginning of the summer uh, is are times when I like, like every year reflect, I write down things that, so like last year, one of the things I did was I wrote down what is draining my energy and what's giving me energy. The drain was so much higher than the give. So I had to figure out a way to even that out or even make it go uneven the other way. So I had more energy coming in than I was putting out. And one of those ways was how do I systematize? How do I optimize, right? One of the things we talked about in our lesson planning workshop was like, how can you systematize some of the things that you do? And how can you delegate some of your teacher responsibilities on to other people, right? Students included to get back some of your time. You're literally buying back your time. And so I would think about that. It, it, to me, it's like if you're feeling overworked um, and burnt out, that means you're giving too much than you're getting back in return. So how do you do that? And one of the easy ways I'll tell you, one of the things my um, my therapist asked me last year when I was I was doing this and, and I've been doing this lately, too. This is not something I like I go through waves of like really doing pouring into myself the right way and then waves of several months like since june almost very very little self-care i've been just you know i get up early in the morning and stuff like that take but some of his own I advice do, i do i need to like but that's good it's just shows that everybody having, i don't have enough well, fun is it just what it, is. it you don't but what, what that shows is that everybody struggles with keeping that balance and keeping those yes. things in check it's not Facts. easy for anybody so but my therapist said what did you do when you were younger to have fun and I so I named a couple of said like surfing, playing in bands, like rock climbing, um, you know, whatever. And uh, he goes, do you do any of that now? And I said, no. And he was like, why not? And I thought, oh, damn, like maybe I should think about that. And so that is something that I'm working through right now. And 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 uh, but that's something I would encourage other people to do, too, is like take a self inventory. Where are you at in your in your life? Are you giving away more energy than you're taking in? Um, and do we need to balance the scales or, or like make them out of balance the other way? I think that's great advice. I think everybody needs to do that, like self inventory every quarter. Yeah. Because it's easy to just get out of whack, right? There's, we do so much. We and wear it's many hard, hats. It's, it's so much harder to get back, right? Mm -hmm. It's easier to maintain, right? Uh, I've read something the other day. It said like, it's easier to maintain fitness than it is to get in shape it's really hard to get in shape it's much easier if you just maintain being in shape and so and when we think about eating crappy <laughs> it just makes right me make a, it's a, so much a easier, disgust face yeah, it's for so everybody. much easier to just keep eating right than it is to start eating right it is especially yeah. during halloween you guys opened the bag of candy the other day and i've been eating twix like good like thing i can only eat two out of the five candies that are in that bag so it's not too hard for me. You and your blessed gluten. <laughs> okay, Lisa is up next asking, how do we as educators, administrators, and districts get parents involved in their child's education and help them be held accountable to in their child's learning? It really does take a, vill a village and us teachers can't do it all. So Lisa, I, this is, I 100% agree. Um, and many schools don't have parents that like, I know I've had... Uh, Quite a few parents that like just were uninterested or just didn't show up. But I would argue that schools have largely put a gap between themselves and teachers that to go to drop lunch off. I remember when I was a kid. Now, look, school safety is a real thing, right? I do not want to just like uh, there's a balance between safety and like craziness. Yeah. But, <laughs> I don't know. 
but when we were kids, I remember, I remember one time I didn't have, I forgot my lunch. Um, I was in the school. My aunt brought my lunch to me and, um, my aunt was such a cool dresser. That's why I remember this moment. Cause she came in, all my friends were like, who was that? I'm like, it's my aunt. She kind of looks like a rock star. And so she was able to come down to where I was in gym and hand me my lunch. Now I have to go to my daughter's school. If she forgets her lunch or if we don't have it made yet, I walk the two blocks of the school. I have to buzz in totally fine. Super safe. Then I go in and they don't even have a speaker in the glass window. I have to talk through the drawer, which I refuse to do by the way. So I just talk loud at the glass. You, they, but they want you to talk through the drawer. Excuse me. My <laughs> daughter really forgot her lunch. I'm here to drop it off. It's and so, so then they can, they either, you have to put it in the drawer or they buzz you in and you go to security desk, but there's, there's zero chance I'd ever be able to interact with my child, right? There are no things at the school where they like, when my kids were in preschool and kindergarten, they used to have uh, parents, they'd come in and we would read to the kids. So they would have like a surprise reader. There were moments when uh, parents, even in elementary school, like my daughter's watching me now, um, <laughs> where when you were in different classes, remember they'd have like parent day, like I'd come in and we'd do like eat water ice and we'd um, play games together and stuff like that, work on projects together right before winter break, which I loved. And, you know, it was, there was, parents played a part. There was already a part built in. I think we've largely gotten away from that for any number of reasons, but I think that it is the school strategically building a connection, a bridge to families, creating opportunities for parents to get involved, to do stuff, to help out with things at the school, that if you're having a play coming up or you're, de or you're decorating the hallway for, for an event or you're putting something on, it is not just asking teachers to do all the extra stuff, but saying, hey, can someone's mom sell tickets? Can someone's dad come and help us um, set up chairs? Can we um, have grandparents come in and they're going to help us? Like, what can we do to bridge that gap? And then I think that's going to make all the other things easier, like checking grades, making sure kids are doing work, all that stuff. Um, I think we have to intentionally, we, I think educators have to intentionally build the bridge to help parents come into the school. Yeah, I think that's it's hard, though, because you can't make a parent get involved either. Right. You have to make it enticing, but you can't make. But them. not all parents were ever going to do it anyway. No, they right. Weren't. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not an all or nothing game. But can we start doing this thing where we are involving parents in the schools? And it just felt like when I was a kid, that happened a whole lot more. Um, and I can name a hundred different examples. Yeah, of what we used oh, to I remember do, that. But too. it doesn't. And even when our kids were little, and that was that was with all of the traumatic moments that have happened at schools, from shootings to all kinds of stuff that has taken place. It's it's figuring out ways to do that safely, um, so that we can incorporate parents and build that community. Uh, which is what, to be honest, that's one of the things that pissed me off last year with with my school when I was there and i would bring in guests and they were like you can't bring in a guest they don't I they have to have a background right. check i'm like this they're a public figure what are you talking about yeah and so um like yeah like when my dj buddy came in who's friends with dj jazzy he's actually he's doing it he did a show friday night i wanted to ask you if you wanted to go where they oh. dj'd a party together like a halloween party and i'm like this guy like what like i get it if I, i'm not just bringing folks in off the street 
you know? Yeah. But. Oh, goodness. Okay. Our next question is coming from Mr. Boland is asking, how do you teach labs to large groups? I'm an eighth grade science teacher who has two large collaborative classes with a special educator. So without I'm, a special educator. This is a good question. Um, I, I, I think doing anything with large groups is particularly difficult. Um, I'd be really interested if anyone else that teaches science and does something like this would be something to work with. But right now I'm mentoring one of my mentees uh, is so one of the services we provide is you go right to our website, you can go to mentoring, you can sign up for mentoring. And I do like hourly calls with you once a week. Um, or, or it's, it doesn't have to be once a week. It's whenever you want to do it. So anyway, one of our conversations the other day was like doing labs. Uh, he's a science teacher, uh, middle school science teacher, and how that's just difficult. And one of my one of my ideas is, can we make them shorter and can we um, make things like a bit more simple? Right. So maybe we're not doing like sometimes when we try and do something too big, um, it's like, could we do bits of it each day or could we spread that time out? Um, and, and this look, I mean, Mr. Boland, this would be a whole lot easier to talk about like, if we were having like, a full on conversation about it and I could get some like. I don't know. I, I could get like uh, some backup information. Like, is the person um, like, I, I don't know. There's just background information that would help. But to me, it is what it's a lot of times it's asking myself this question. What would this look like if it were easy? Right. Because I think that a lot of times as educators, we think of this being difficult and acknowledging that's difficult. And that might be your reality. But what would this look like if it were easy? And then that puts that shifts your your mindset and helps you think about things in a little bit of a different way. So I think that's where I would start. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm. That's hard, especially when you have really large groups. Yeah. Um, I, I To be honest with you, it, this is one of those things I think is worth bringing up to the school and saying like, hey, look, we have to do labs in class, like talking whether to your department head or to someone in administration and saying, I'm just curious, like, what's the expectation? Like, how would you all walk through this? Like mm -hmm. you put the kids in the class, you made this what it is. How do we do this better so that all students are having an opportunity to learn and have this experience? Because to be honest, labs are one of the most fun things in science. It's one yeah, of the most the fun things part, in the school year is like, difficult. because you're getting to touch things and do things and blow stuff up or make things happen. I wonder if uh, Becky uh, Schnexter would have a good answer for this. Yeah. She's like the science, hands-on science person I know. She might be a good person to, to um, reach out to. Interesting. Miss um, Gonzalez said that she has that same similar problem. It's very similar. Like labs are really similar to like art class. Yeah. Right. How do you it's that's a one big giant lab, I would imagine. Yeah. Which is why art is so fun, but really hard if you have really large classes, um, especially kids with ADHD in them. Yeah. <laughs> right, Ms. Gonzalez. OK, let's uh, let's keep going. We have another question. Um, Kay is up next saying, hi, I start my first teaching job as a high school English teacher tomorrow and I have nothing planned. I don't know anything yet. Not even my classroom or classes. Any tips or advice? I think prayer is a good one. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, no, I do have an answer real quick. I'm going to put uh, for Mr. Bolden. Um, this is the link to. 
Becky Schnexer's website, um, reaching out to her is a really, I think is just a good idea. You can tell her that I sent you there and she's fantastic. She's, she is the science teacher that I wish I had when I was a kid. And oh, I wish she's my a science kids had. Yeah, teacher that I wish taught our kids. Yeah. Uh, so I think. Nothing planned. If I was going to do this. Okay, I would go with what I do on my first day anyway. Um, it is. Oh, wait, so, I have some follow up info. Sure. Uh, they said, I know I'm teaching five classes, 11th and 12th, but nothing else. So, all right. I'm going to assume that somebody dipped at mid-year, right? It's someone, someone left after only two months of school, right? So now you're going into what someone else has already probably broken. So this is a great opportunity for you, right? I don't say that to like make you make you nervous. 11th and 12th grade years are very, very important. 12th grade, you're only going to get your when I taught 12th grade, it was like maximum effort happened until winter break. And then it was pretty steep decline after that. Um, <laughs> so it's really about creating opportunities, creating learning experiences for students that you can explain exactly why they're going to do it. And college can't be the answer and test can't be the answer. So it can be you're going to need to know this for college or this is going to be on the test or on the SAT. It's going to be like this. So it is real world that that very well may be the case. It's college and SAT, but real world. Why is this important? Why do I have to learn how to write a narrative? Why do I have to learn vocabulary? Why do I have to learn whatever it is? Incredibly important to be able to put real world whys behind every single thing that you do in class. The other thing is um, I would start with uh, with going into school and starting with like not giving a whole bunch of rules, not telling kids what they're not going to do, but talk about why you're there and talk about who you are. I'd make a short PowerPoint on who I am, where I grew up, where I came from, how I got here, and then talking about your love of teaching English, um, how you're so glad this job came along, that you're looking forward incredibly to teaching these students. Like really, you know, e even if look, there's a really good chance kids are not going to like visually show that they're stoked about this doesn't matter. Just, I just pretend that they're excited and that they're just not showing me because that in reality, that's what's happening. A lot of the time that kids aren't going to show an outward expression of their inner joy, um, that it is rather something that they keep inside. Um, and then I would spend several days in class doing what we've called our life odyssey. Uh, and this is something I talked about in the beginning of the year. I have a back to school boot camp. Um, that we did, which was a workshop that we did that uh, talked about this idea of your life odyssey. It is how I learn more about the kids than anybody else in the school. And that is creating a project that's basically a handful of Google Slides, 10 moments between birth and now, and how those 10 moments built you into the person you are today. So in doing that, what we're doing is giving kids an opportunity to share their story and so that you have insight on who's in your class, where they're coming from, what their level might be. And you're also getting to look at the quality of their work. Is this good? Is there a lot of misspellings? Did you not know how to use Google Slides or put a picture in there? Like these are real world things that you need to be able to do. And <clears throat> so it's having a bit of that conversation also. That's going to also buy you two to three days. And then I'd have kids present them as well. Um, that's going to buy you a few days to start 
waiting for your rosters to come in to learn your schedule, to see who's in your class and to get the curriculum and to build out other lessons that will give you a buffer. But it's also going to be real stuff that's really important. That's going to put you in the know as to who's in your class. That's how I would start. So, Kate, best of luck. If you need anything, please reach out. You know, we're here every Sunday. I'd love to be able to help with anything. And I think our Facebook group is probably a really good place for you to go to to be able to ask questions and, and get like pretty quick answers from really great people. All right. Up next is Sonny. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, any recommendations for how to connect with kids who spend most of their time roaming the halls? I've tried talking with the kids themselves, calling home and trying to incorporate their interests into my lessons. Um, she said these are her seniors, I think. So if they're not coming to your class... Or if, I mean, it could be not coming to your class or it could be just like not coming to uh, a class and like not going to class in general. I think there's a couple things there that you could do. One is you have to remember that you can't put more time into those students than into anyone else. I feel like teachers are often attracted to students that don't want to do the work and they want to fix that problem or take care of it or bring them in. And part of that is the reward for doing work like that is so great um, that it's 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 so attractive. It's magnetic because you want to get through to that one kid that no one else could get through to or that no one's been able to get through to or they, the kid doesn't believe in themselves. So now all of a sudden you awaken. Remember, we're not even instilling belief. We're just awakening that belief. And then kids want to do great. That's really that's that is a hard thing to not want to do. However, it's keeping in mind that there are other students that you're responsible for and that you have to teach. And it's giving all different types of students equal amounts of time, energy and effort. So being mindful of that as well, because it can be so you see the lost sheep and you just want to go after them. You see the kid whose life is a flaming disaster and you want to help extinguish that and then help build them back up. That's that can take a lot of of your attention. The other thing is the only thing. I've ever felt worked with students that were disillusioned, that had given up hope, that didn't think school was worth it, um, was planting seeds in them that looked like, well, what do you want to do with your life? Like that, that's what like, so what happens after high school? And those conversations can go a million different ways. Sometimes everyone thinks they're going to the NBA or the NFL or they're going to become a, you know, a hip hop artist or something like that. And it's like, bro, you don't even you're not on the football team. You got kicked off the basketball team and you don't write anything like let me see your notebook. If we're going to be a rapper, like let me see your notebook. Uh, show me your SoundCloud. Show me what you've been putting out online. And what, what do you got? You got something on Spotify? Like, what do we got here? And so the kids well, often what they do is there's there's a misalignment because what they're saying and what they are thinking are not in or what they're saying, what they're doing are not in alignment. They are misaligned. So it's like I'm going to be a basketball player and it's like you're five two in senior year and I don't want to crush your dreams. But, bro, like you're not even playing basketball. So how are you going to pull that off? You're just going to all of a sudden do it. Um, 
that that doesn't work. You're you're misaligned. So let's get aligned. Let's talk about what is the life you want to live. What is the, what do you want? To, how do you want to be able to take care of people? What do you want? Where do you want to go on vacation? Um, how much money does all that take to live in a year? And then if you're gonna work as a truck driver and you're gonna make and you're stoked because right out of high school you're making forty G's a year, but then you realize that you're only making cat. What's that? What is that? And I don't really know what it costs to be or what it takes to be a truck driver. But like, if that caps at 60K, can you live the life of your dreams on 60K? I'm not talking down about truck drivers. You go be a truck driver. It kind of sounds fun, right? Um, But like, is that going to, is your life and your work, are they symbiotic, right? That when you're building, I think here's here's the big thing. When we talk to students oftentimes about what they want to do after high school. We only talk about occupation. We're not talking to kids about building a life. And you need to do those things in tandem. It's not build a career and then you're going to fit some life into there. Those things need to be interwoven. And so when we find there's no balance in our lives, it's because oftentimes we were building a career and not building a life at the same time. What do you want your life to look like? And then logically, do the price points actually match up? Am I going to raise a family and I want to be there for my kids and I'm going to be really attentive, but that my job takes me away all the time? Can I still do that? It's finding that sort of thing. And I guarantee you, kids that are disillusioned are just, they're fed up. They're fed up with school. They're fed up with lessons. They're fed up with nonsense. They're fed up with things they think don't matter but they think they're going to figure it out later and they're not because they're not going to have anyone that's going to be there for them like teachers are there for them. And so it's important that we do this now, but it's having heavy, deep and real conversations with kids that that is planting the seed for them to grow from, right? You may not get the immediate ROI, but you can plant the seed that's going to have and remind kids, yo, look, I'm here forever. And if I'm not at the school, here's where you can hit me up and I'll help you out for as long as I can. And I mean, we still do that. Yep. Always. Um, Are you ready for another question? I am. Let's do another one. All right. Chloe is asking, what top five novels would you teach nowadays to high schoolers and which classics would you keep or slash swap out? Chloe, this is a tricky question because one, I do think that the canon Um, the literary canon is important because it is something that is referenced. So all of the classic novels that I do, although I basically teach all old white dudes and books that are about white kids, there is that stuff that is pulled from in, in college. So if my kids are going to college, I really want them to be able to read Fahrenheit 451, Lord of the Flies, The Odyssey, Shakespeare, This is important, right? However, I think that it is the part of the way I do that is by finding ways to connect to this, that Lord of the Flies would have been a very similar book if it was about any other population of children, except for like private school white kids from England, right? There are commonalities, right? William Golding wasn't writing about white kids. He was writing about the human condition. So that is part of it. The other thing is, um, if you have the ability to pick whatever books you want, I think it is looking at who your students are and where they come from and then what books are going to fit into that. So for my students, if I was picking uh, books, it is and I try not to pick anything that's too popular either. Right. So like 
when Hunger Games was hot, when uh, what's Brody reading right now? Um, oh, Percy Jackson, yes. right? Like that's his jam right Morning now. Thief, yeah. Uh, when Harry Potter was big, when even the Hate <clears throat> Give was was like the book that everybody was talking about. I don't know that I'd go there because that inevitably movies come out. Kids end up watching the movie instead. And it's like a whole thing. And everyone's already reading that. But for my students, I teach black males in West Philadelphia, uh, or that's what I did. They would um, like Jason Reynolds was huge. My students loved Jason Reynolds um, or even books by my friend, uh, Randy Rebuy. Uh, it, it would be something that I feel like my students would would be able to connect their lives to and we could have larger conversations to me the literature we read in school is a vehicle to learn things it is not just about the book that we're reading but it's like what are we learning through the book through the experience of the author through the experience of the characters and so it's you know so if i taught in um clovis new mexico instead of west philadelphia right i would teach very different, right? Like I'm not going to teach books about inner city black kids necessarily, right? Unless I felt like that was a good fit. But like if my students were from a different background, different belief system, like it's what can I show up and I'm going to teach them that you are doing that. Because look, I mean, the books and the movies that we connect to the most TV shows too are people that we love characters we can relate to. Someone that you can see yourself in um, or or what you want to be or where you have been or where you could have been and tying that into our lives, that makes literature come alive. And so it would so I don't have an exact answer, but it would be looking at my student population, looking where I lived and and finding books that were a good fit for those particular students. All right. Any more? Um, we can do one more, but the Eagles are on and I want to go watch that. <laughs> Okay, well, Miss Riz probably appreciates that you're going to take her question. Let's do it. She's asking, hi, Mr. Reynolds. I landed my first teacher job starting in January. Oh, that's nice. It, it, is it best to hit the ground running and do a lot, a lot of preparation before I start or spend some time taking a break first? I think it's both. Um, so here's why. You, you're, you're building something, right? Your curriculum is happening in your head without having met your students. So... You are there are certain things you're going to have to be able to do routines, procedures, classroom rules, syllabus, basic like idea out framing of like what you're going to do this year. An idea of how you're going to start class. Like I think the Life Odyssey, again, is a really great idea to do then. Um, there's certain things you can do, but then it's not until you meet your students and you understand where they are. That's going to be important. I've made this mistake many times in the past where I thought, oh, man, we're teaching this I taught V for Vendetta, the graphic novel, one time to seniors. And what I didn't realize was that there's so much background knowledge that you need to understand about government, about systems in the past, about um, it's just there's so much stuff that I had to teach. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. They're going to love this. They're going to think we're not even reading something uh, that's difficult, but like or thought provoking because it's a comic, basically a comic book. And that I I shot myself in the foot with that one um same thing happened when i read a book <laughs> called persepolis right it's a graphic novel about this little girl that grows up on, during the uh iranian revolution i believe and so much backstory so much stuff about culture that i had to teach um so much stuff that my muslim students understand but that my christian students didn't understand with regards to culture and, and holidays and things of that nature 
that it was like, oh my gosh. So the problem there was that I went in with what I thought was a good fit instead of meeting my students and then going, okay, what can we do? This is where we are. This is where interests are. This is where ability levels lie. And then picking something that's a good fit um, for your students. So I think it's a both, it's going in with excitement, with a, with a, pretty good understanding of like what you need to teach. And then it's plugging the book in or the, or the knowledge in or the text in that's going to make that stuff kind of come alive. So, and if you need help before then, please again, reach out, let us know. And we'd be happy to kind of do it. Um, cool. Yeah. Radical. All right. Two things before we go gang. Um, I said in the beginning one, um, this next Saturday we have the, uh, we are, we're talking about how to take your class back. It is, the first ever um the first ever student engagement 101 workshop right this is our we got the idea from our facebook group this is what people ask for so we are trying to find ways to help you make transitions in class to actually work to help kids want to come to class to help kids that do not want to do school want to do school right so we're building in ways to to create the class that you want to show up to. And this can be a time of year where you're two months in, you're feeling really tired. You're feeling really like giving up. You're wondering why the hell you got into education to begin with. Um, and Oops. so we are trying <laughs> to, that's fine to do that. Um, help if it's up there. We are. Uh, so that's, that's what we're, we're trying to, we created this workshop to try and help teachers the best that we can to be able to do that. Um, the other thing is, look, gang, uh, I put the, uh, here comes the link right now in the, there it is, uh, in the comment section. If you want to sign up for that, we try to price it really accordingly so that it was still something that was going to like help us to live because this is how we live now, but also something that wasn't too expensive for teachers. It's only $67 to sign up for it. Um, and this will happen next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The other thing, we just want to bless you. We just want to help you out. We just want to give you stuff uh, for free. So this month, during the month of November, we are, we're going to do this every month going forward. We're giving away a $50 gift card if you just make any post on social, so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and just something awesome you're doing in your class. You had a great lesson. Your kids did something fantastic. You decorated something new, and it was super awesome. Your door decoration was fantastic. You did a class trip that was unbelievable. Just posting about it and then using the hashtag um teacher that was incredibly distracting what you just Sorry. did I'm not say it, but it was very funny um it is hashtag teacher class off uh not tagging me not real rap with Reynolds. post whatever you're posting hashtag teacher class off we're going to look through them and on the last day of the month november 30th we're going to pick a winner and we're going to give a 50 dollars gift card away uh every month going forward for people that are doing that with their classes and the post can be on your personal page or a class page um, or in the facebook group page. any anywhere that you do teach you just have to put a hashtag teacher class off and that's how we'll find you yep awesome all right gang eagles are playing phillies are playing this week um and hopefully we just keep winning so uh I hope everyone has a really wonderful week. I hope that your students are engaged and 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 you have a really great fun halloween tomorrow as well. Um and that's it gang. Thank you so much for being here. It means everything to us. Uh, and that's it. Anything else? Nope. Cool. All the best. Have a great week. Peace.